fresh touch. And so we love you, Lord. Thank you so much for coming. What a presence. A sweet, loving, and caring God we sense in this place. It's always an honor, always a privilege to be able to be with your pastors. We've loved them, known them for a long time, loved them dearly. They've been uh, a part of us for quite some time. You were just a baby. And um, I, it's, just, it's just great to be with um, Pastor Sandy and Scott. It's good to have my wife with me. Her name also is Sandy. I appreciate uh, the confidence that has been placed in me to be a part of this conference. Uh, as was mentioned earlier, I used to pastor your pastors back in Sulphur Springs many years ago and their family. I was there for 15 years and been in Paris now for 19 years. What a pleasure it is to see their hearts for God and their sensitivity to the presence of the Holy Spirit. They have such a love for the Lord and they have such a love for God's people. And what an honor it is for you to have such wonderfully loving and caring pastors as you have. Would you just indulge me and give an expression of appreciation to them? I have been attending this revival since its conception. I was watching online the first night, the second night, and evangelist John Davis just did a phenomenal job. I feel very inadequate following. I told pastor before service you should have had him to stay another night and just let me listen again. But the first night, evangelist John Davis challenged you with five coverings. And he emphasized the importance of praying in the last covering over your homes and your families. Last night, the thing that I took away from the message was it's time. It's time not only to seek the Lord, but to hear from the Lord and to do for the Lord. Amen? So tonight, I'm going to talk to you about building. If you're going to be covered and you're going to seek, then what are you going to do with that? you got to build. And I'm going to ask you to, to indulge me for just a little bit here because I'm going to ask you to think about building an Acts 2 and a Luke 10 church. An Acts 2 and a Luke 10 church. A Luke 10 church is the Good Samaritan church. The scripture says in Luke chapter 10, verses 25, beginning with verse 25, you'll find I'm just kind of an old-fashioned preacher. It says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, 
what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Think about that. That's a tall order. I've got a neighbor where we live now that when we moved in, right before we moved in, her tree fell on our fence. Wasn't our fence yet, because we hadn't bought the house. But as we purchased the house, the first thing that she did when she came to greet us into the neighborhood is she says, that's my tree, that's your fence, don't ask me to pay to help fix it. And then the next thing she told me was, the best neighbors that we have in this neighborhood are the ones that leave the other ones alone. I said, okay. Yay. All right. Don't ask to come swimming in my swimming pool. I didn't tell her that. But he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Sister Sandy and I have been praying for that woman. We've lived there, we've counted it up today, about almost nearly six years now we've lived in that neighborhood. And we've been praying for her. We don't ever see her, but we've been praying for her. Because you see that we've gone over to her house a couple of times, knocked on the front door, you know, but she didn't answer. But we know she's there, and we're praying over her. And there was an occasion, one time we was out in the yard, and she came out in the yard, and she came over, and we had a wonderful visit, and I got to witness to her. Can somebody say amen? You've got to love your neighbor as yourself. That's a Luke 10 church. And he said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan... Somebody say a certain Samaritan. You know, I believe God wants us to have churches that are identified as certain Samaritans. Amen? As he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And so he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Amen? What a story. What a message. Go 
and do likewise. I was engrossed in worship as you were worshiping and praising God and magnifying God and others fell flat on their face moaning and groaning in the spirit and others were speaking in their heavenly language and others were just lifting up their hands and I, I just began to absorb all of that in and I began to think you guys have got a formula for greatness and I believe that's a word from the Lord there's a formula for greatness right here pastor and I got to thinking just a minute if I can just take a little bit of detour and just kind of tell you what I feel like the Lord laid on my heart for the church as a whole he took me back to and this is not even in my my message for tonight but he took me back to Gideon and when Gideon began to pursue the enemy he started out with 32,000 army but before he actually engaged it was reduced to 300 and the thought came to me that I that came to me just not long about a couple of days ago actually but then the Lord in this worship time just said speak it to them and that is exhausted but still in pursuit he said exhausted but still in pursuit you see there are going to be those times that we get so stressed and that we get so overcome we get so disappointed we get so frustrated we get we get all of this wonderful beautiful worship going on and all of a sudden all something happens and who am I speaking to and we just we just feel like oh God why and we get exhausted but God said stay in pursuit because you know what happened with the 300 they continued to pursue the enemy and destroyed all of them amen so what the word what the word for you right now is you may be exhausted but if you'll stay in pursuit there are some walls that are coming down. There are some There are some victories that are about to take place that you thought, God, I know you're able. I know that you can. I know that you will. But God is about to honor even in your exhausted state if that's where you find yourself. He is about to honor you with a victory that is going to go beyond what you could even imagine or even think or what you've even asked. Somebody give him praise. Go and do likewise, he said. Let's call her name Andrea. It's not a real name, but it's a real person. She was on the street corner in Paris, Texas, just traveling through on her way to South Texas. She was alone, she was destitute, dejected, homeless, and in need of, a, of diabetic medication. Our outreach pastor was walking the streets of our city at seven o'clock that morning, just going around, praying, doing what she does, her husband does, and just whoever's out there, and when the Spirit speaks to them, they go to them. And she was out this particular morning, this past week, and she came across Andrea, 
who had fled from an abusive relationship and was trying to find her daughter. And after verifying that Andrea was truly a diabetic, her demeanor apparently was off because she'd only been taking half of her medication because she was running out of the medication. Our outreach pastor gave her something sweet and then some money for some food. They talked a little while, and Andrea began to just spill her life out to our pastor. She confessed that it had been very difficult for her during this COVID-19 because so many places were closed and people would not allow her to approach them. She didn't want an overnight stay. She didn't even want us to purchase a bus ticket for her to get to South Texas. She just wanted to continue to walk. And so when asked if we could do anything for her, she said to this pastor of ours, I do have something, but I know you won't do it. And when Pastor Sharon asked her, what is it? Andrea said, I just simply need a hug. Because she hadn't been touched since COVID-19 started. And that morning, on that street corner, Pastor Sharon gave Andrea a hug. And Andrea began to cry. And Sharon invited Andrea to, to come to our outreach ministry facility that we call That House, where we have very nice clothes, accessories, food, but most importantly, we have the gospel and we have prayer. And we were able to buy the medication that was needed, but the transformation in that woman's life that morning was in the gospel presentation and the prayer that was made over Andrea's life. What am I telling you, church? That's a good Samaritan church. That's an Acts 2, Luke 10 church. <laughs> I feel God in this place. And I'm going to tell you something. God is calling you. And I know you said y'all had a great outreach ministry. And it's all, all of it's kind of been shut down just a little bit because of the, the pandemic. But be, we're beginning to open back up. And I'm going to tell you, God's going to give you greater opportunity to be that Acts 2, that Luke 10 church uh, uh, that, that you've already uh, designed and been designed to, to become and to do and had already been involved in. But in Luke chapter 10, come on, give God praise. He's going to open up doors. He's going to open up opportunities, and they're going to come. And I'm going to be honest with you. Can I just say this right now, Pastor? I'm going to be honest. It doesn't matter whether they're yellow, red, black, or white, or anything in between. God died for us all. And in Luke 10, Jesus tells a story about a man who was attacked on the road between Jerusalem and Jericho. And some people coming down the road saw that he had been robbed and, and that he had been injured and that he was in desperate condition. But they were too busy to stop and help. And the good Samaritan sees the man and he stops to help him. He goes beyond the normal courtesy, even placing himself in danger. Jesus says at the end of the story that we are to go out and do likewise. We need to be the people who help if we are going to do what Jesus would do. As Jesus was beginning to preach, he went 
back to his hometown and he read aloud the scripture. The spirit in Luke 4 and 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners and the recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I'm here to tell you this is the year of the Lord's favor. There has been a pandemic, but the pandemic has not been what the enemy thought it would be. What the, what he intended for evil, God has turned it around for good and the gospel has gone out even stronger and louder and all around the world. I'm here to tell you that it was a pause button, if you please, for the church to begin to reevaluate herself and realize what are we here for? Jesus said he was called to help people in need. Amen. And then if you look at the end of Matthew chapter 25, Jesus makes that point extremely clear as he tells the story of the judgment day. He said, we will be divided like sheep from goats. The sheep, those who reach out and help ordinary people, got to go to heaven those that didn't, didn't get to go. It was very clear we are called to be like the good Samaritan. And that's what an Acts 2 and a Luke 10 church looks like. That's what a good Samaritan church looks like. Amen? Jesus said that, that what will work is helping people where they hurt. Needs-based evangelism is being sensitive and caring. It is helping people. And the greatest mistake the church has made in recent years is not noticing the hurts of the people on the side of the road. We've got to get busy going about the master's business, meeting and touching and reaching and going to, to where the needs are and letting them know there is a Savior who cares. There is a Lord who has an answer. There is a person that you and I have placed our faith in that is more than able to touch their need and to bring them through any situation your pastor's wife was hurt wounded bruised and beaten up had the I hope this is okay Sandy had the lowest self esteem of anybody I had ever in my life encountered hurting abused and yet God could see her future and had us to cross paths and because of compassion and love because of patience and understanding and because of who he is and what he desires to do. My Sandy and, and I were able to invest, and I'm not patting us on the back, it, to God be all the glory. We were just instruments at the right place at the right time and rescued her. 
Because it wasn't an easy road coming from where you came from. But God, in his mercy, in his love, in his compassion, has done a miraculous work. And my heart fills with godly pride. Not a, not, a, not a bad pride, but a good pride. At what he's doing through, through this couple in your church. So what are you saying, Pastor Doug? I'm just simply trying to tell you that it, it doesn't matter, right, the circumstance right now. Thank God for his presence. Thank God for his glory. But this is not all that God has for you. There is more that is out there. There is going to be a place that you're going to have to have that's going to be bigger than this place because, you know, God spoke to me the last time that we were talking, that we were preaching in the home, in your home, that God was going to move you and to bring you into a place and it was going to be a step toward a bigger place it's going to be a step toward a bigger place I'm here to tell you that it is still there God still has his hands upon you and there is something that God has in store for this congregation that's bigger than what you may even imagine I don't know what you've imagined but I'm telling you we're serving a God that does exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think somebody give him praise We get so busy sometimes, and I'm guilty. I, I have a, a staff that we, several staff members, sometimes I get so busy with staff meetings and department meetings And administrative work that I just want to go home and say let me just sit here and rest and get away from it all anybody ever felt like that exhausted but still pursue and all of a sudden the Lord would begin to speak I came in this past week, the beginning of the week. Our offices are open Monday through Thursday. During the pandemic, we were open Monday and Wednesday. We're open Monday through Thursday, and I give Friday off. Friday's my Sabbath day. I give it to the whole staff. But when we started coming off of this pandemic schedule and we got to getting back into regular service, I had one come in. That one left. Another one came in. That one left. Another one came in. That one left. Another one came in. That one left. And I'm thinking, look. I called the secretary in the outer office. I said, don't let another staff person through my door unless it's an emergency. And all of them have emergencies. I needed to be able to get alone with God. And I needed to hear his voice so that I could speak something of very promising possibility 
of what we were facing in that moment, in that hour as a, as a body of believers. We get so busy going to our meetings and our activities that we don't have time to stop. We don't have time to, we don't have time to see who's on the side of the road that's hurting, who's on the side of the road that's been wounded. Are you hearing me, church? The irony is that by, by that very act, the church has become anemic and powerless. Churches all across the world are growing and thriving when they are sensitive to the needs of people. Jesus says that he came to help. If we are to be his followers, that's what we must do. There will be lots of techniques for reaching new people, lots of membership campaigns that will be tried and materials that will be sold. But until we really care for and help others, the church will not grow. But I'm telling you, the answer is not simply doing a little bit of good in a world that needs much, but it is really caring. It is genuinely showing the love of Christ. It has been a hand extended reaching out to the oppressed and letting them know there is hope that our God is still in control. You know, it used to bother me a little bit that I kind of got loud when I preached. Have y'all noticed that? I really don't need a microphone. It bothered me until I thought, until I read one day that that's a true sign of a Pentecostal preacher. Well, what makes you say that, Pastor? You go to Acts, and you read it. We're fixing to, uh, fixing to, how you like that? We're about to celebrate Pentecost Sunday, this Sunday. Yay! Kind of like the birth of the church there, right? And the Bible says that that on that day, when Peter got filled with the Holy Ghost, the 120 up there, you read it. It's in your Word. It's in the Bible. The Bible says he lifted up his voice, and 3,000 joined the church that day. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. I love, I love Jesus, don't y'all? We got to care enough to go to the hospital when that's permitted. When that patient undergoes treatment and surgery, it's, it's, a meet, it's meeting with friends and family, inviting them to join you in prayer. I love this, Pastor. I love whenever you had us to pray uh, for our families and to, to just gather around and people got all over the, all over the place and, and found them a place and began to, to worship the Lord. That touched my heart. To be a good Samaritan church, perhaps the best name for a vibrant church today, doing a little bit of good from time to time will not cut it. It requires really caring about each and every individual and in this way people come to know Jesus not by some slogan that they use or an empty prayer that they may say but through acts of love Jesus set an example and we should follow in his footsteps so how do we build a good Samaritan church let's look how the Lord designed the Acts 2 church and we can, just, we can see the design for the, the Luke 10 church. Turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 2. This is a Pentecost conference, right? When the day of Pentecost 
had fully come. Somebody say fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. Would you say those words? One accord, one place. And suddenly, somebody shout suddenly. There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared, somebody shout appeared, to them divided tongues as a fire, and one set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. Somebody say began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there's some things here that I want you to look at in, in these few verses that I read to you. It said, when the day of Pentecost, when the promise of God fully came, you and I are experiencing, I almost started walking around, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, do you realize that you are, you and I are experiencing this side of Pentecost, the fully come? Amen? It's, he's here. We've evidenced him already in this service. He has fully come. But here's the key. He's fully come. He's fully ready. He's ready to, to impart to us whatever is needful in our life right now, amen? You agree, you agree with that? But here's the problem sometimes, that one accord in that one place thing. Why did he have to put that in there? I mean, to be in one accord in one place, that means I've got to be unified. I've got to be in harmony. I've got to be in unity with somebody, amen? Come, somebody say amen. You know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta push back all the bitterness that you talked about earlier in the beginning of the service. I gotta do that forgiveness thing. Amen. Do you know when you hold on to unforgiveness, the other person that you're not forgiving probably doesn't even know that you're not forgiving them, and they're going on with life and enjoying life, and you're staying stuck, and you're letting it define you, and you're letting it hinder you. Sorry about. You're letting it hinder you. Amen. You're letting it hold you back. You're not being, you're not being able to, ex, to experience the fully come part of the presence of the Holy Ghost. Amen. But we've got to get into that unity. We've got to get into that, that place. And when we, get, when we get into that harmony and when we get in that place, what happens next? What happens next is a supernatural suddenly. You can't experience the supernatural suddenly until you are unified, until you are in harmony. When you get in harmony with God, he'll get you in harmony with your fellow man. Amen. And that suddenly came. And then there was a sound that began to come from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Oh, my, 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 my. I wonder how many of them stayed seated for very long. Why do you say that? Because you see, once we, once we recognize the fully come is here and we're in the one accord in one place and we start experiencing our supernatural suddenly, <laughs> then there comes a manifestation. 
You know? What are you talking about, Pastor Doug? Well, look at it. There in verse 3. Then there appeared. That's a manifestation, my friend. There appeared to them. There was a manifestation of the presence and the power and the spirit of the living God. I want you to picture this. I don't know if this is what you have in your mind or not, but this is what I've got in my mind. That when that suddenly took place, that began to grip the attention of not only the church that was gathered there in the upper room, but it was so concentrated in that area of the church that the whole city of Jerusalem heard it in one locale. And they began to be drawn from every language to the sound. Are you hearing me? Hmm. And as they began to assemble, something happened. I, I, this, is, this is whole ology, okay? Take it or leave it. I believe that there was a huge fire-like funnel, singular, that began to hover over the upper room. And when it got to the place where the worshipers were, it split apart, divided tongues as a fire began to sit up on each one of them. It came from one source but it divided to everyone who would receive. Are you hearing me? Is that making any sense? And then what follows that? They were all filled. Somebody shout filled. Not only had the fully come come, not only were they in a one accord and in one place, and not only did the suddenly happen, and not only did the manifestation, the appearance of divided tongues as a fire set upon each of them but when that happened they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and what happened then they became witnesses they began to speak are you seeing it there in the scripture verse 4 they began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance I really kind of want to run right now Can I tell you, my, 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 my. When the Spirit of God begins to anoint and when the Spirit of God begins to flow in our hearts and our lives, it's no longer us. We become a conduit. We become uh, uh, that presence uh, that we have yielded uh, uh, to His presence uh, flowing through us uh, that can make a difference, uh, that can reach out to that person uh, uh, that uh, doesn't want you to be a good neighbor uh, by talking to them uh, and just keeping your quiet. Uh, because you see, sooner or later, if you'll keep praying for them and you'll keep loving them and you'll keep caring for them and you keep allowing the compassion then God will open up a door for you to be able to step through and begin to witness to them God will send you an Andrea by amen and they began to speak with other tongues have you ever noticed it didn't say speak in tongues 
it said speak with other tongues right here. Do you know what that means? That means when the suddenly took place, people of every nation and tongue that was gathered there that day began to assemble together. And they heard. Read it. It's in there. They heard these unlearned individuals speaking fluently in their own languages the gospel. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? They gave them that utterance. The Luke 10 church, the Acts 2 church. I don't know how long I'm supposed to preach. I, I, want, you to, I want you to get this because this is how this church pastor, I'm not telling you anything new, I'm just confirming, okay? This is how this church is going to explode for Jesus. You begin to allow the boldness of the Holy Spirit to flow through you and let the power of the Almighty reach that person that seems to be unreachable through you. And if they reject you or you feel like they're rejecting you, it's not you they're rejecting. It's him. But God will empower you. And what you do is you back up. You, don't, you, you, you may be exhausted, but keep pursuing. Are you hearing me? You may be reduced down to a real humble state. But keep pursuing because God will break through the barrier. If he put them in your path, if he caused the door to be opened, then if you'll step through it and you will allow God to get it to you, he'll get it through you. No, what I want, what I want you to hear is this. I was in seminary, Cleveland, Tennessee, many years ago, because I am now a senior citizen. I don't know when that happened. I got off of Blue Cross Blue Shield and got on Medicare. I thought, I ought not be that old. But boy, is it wonderful. I don't even have to pay for my prescriptions anymore if I take them. Hallelujah. But years ago, I was walking across campus, and there was a, a man older than me. I was in my 20s then. He was standing across the street. It was Okoe Street. 
He was standing across the street. I was going to the dorm where I lived, which I had to cross Okoe Street to get to. And this man stopped, and there was something on the inside of me that just began to tug and say, go talk to him. Go talk to him. I said, I don't know that man. I kept walking. The man stopped on the corner, and he looked, turned around and looked me square in the eye as if to say, you got something to say to me? And the Holy Spirit nudged me again and said, go talk to him. You don't talk to God this way. But I looked back at him and I said, are you out of your mind? You've got to be crazy. I don't know that man. I don't want to invade his territory. God said, go talk to him. I kept walking. And I walked across Okoe. The guy was to my back. He stood still and watched my every move as I was heading to the dorm. The Lord said, go talk to him. I said, uh-uh. I ain't going to do it. That man will think I'm crazy. And I walked in the dorm, and I did not talk to him. That haunted me for years. I began to pray, God, send somebody that had the boldness that I didn't have to talk to that man before he met you. And a few weeks after that, the Spirit of the Lord came in my room. They were having dorm devotions just outside my door, and I decided I wasn't going that day. I was struggling with the calling. I didn't want to be a preacher. I was raised in a preacher's family. My grandparents, both of them, were preachers. My mom was a preacher. My dad was a preacher. My father-in-law was a preacher. My great-grandpa was a preacher. And I'm like, mm -mm, nope, not going to do it. And while I was laying in my bed, paralysis set up in my body. And I was paralyzed from my neck down. Couldn't move. Had no feeling. I was panicked. And immediately I began to holler as loudly as I could to the guys that were having prayer meeting outside my door. And they opened my door and they came in and they began to pray. And the Lord says, disobey me like you did before. And I'll show you who I really am. And I said, never again, God. Never again. And immediately feeling came back to my body. And I accept the call of the Lord Jesus Christ on my life right then and there. And every person that I get an opportunity to talk to, whether I know them or don't know them, I want to let them know there's a God who loves them. There's a God who cares for them. Amen? Somebody help me. Praise him in this place. God is calling us on this side of pandemic. He's calling us to be the Acts 2 church. He's calling us to be the Luke 10 church. So just who does this thing belong to anyway? Amen?
Can I tell you a story? I, I'm going to just preach a little while longer. One of the buildings that was designed by Frank Lloyd Wright, the famous architect, was the home of Mr. and Mrs. Darwin Marty of Buffalo, New York. The University of New York in Buffalo currently occupies that home now. And that lovely home stands as a wonderful tribute to Wright's genius. The correspondence between Wright and the Martins reveals that the owners considered Wright arrogant, difficult, and egotistical. Make no mistake, the house was an architectural marvel, but the Martins hated everything about it. Why was there such discord? Wright didn't value the opinions of the Martins who were paying him to build them a house. And he didn't accomplish that goal. He built what he designed for them because he was determined to build it his way. The house was sound. It was pleasing to the eye. It could withstand the cold and the winters of Buffalo, but it was not what the owners wanted. The bottom line is this. No matter how many positive points about the structure there is, if the owners don't like it, the positives mean nothing. So what are you saying to us, Pastor Doug? Is it possible that we have, in attempting to build what we think are great churches, worked away at something the owner, God himself, really doesn't want or like? The only way I can be sure of the house that I'm building for God is to match it with the only pattern that the owner has given to us. The church of Acts chapter 2 pleased God and it was effective in the hands of Almighty God. Hello? Can we replicate? Pastor, can we replicate? I'm sorry, it's a habit, me calling myself pastor. Brother Doug, it's, can, we, can we replicate the model of Acts 2 three millenniums after the birth of Christ? <laughs> you know what Chris Glenn Wagner said? Will the real church please stand up? I'm telling you that we can duplicate what the Lord has set forth in his scripture. We can be that church that is involved and find the hurts of people and let them know that there is a God who has a healing touch, that has a hand of mercy, that has a hand of grace, that looks beyond our faults and he sees our needs. Amen. Some of you here tonight, you're, you're going through some things. You've experienced this thing. Some people related to your church, connected to your church, are going through some things. And I've got a word for you. It's almost over. That struggle, you're exhausted but you've continued to pursue and you're about to see the handiwork of God. You're about to see the manifestation. Pastor, I hope this is okay. I'm going to tell you, you're about to see the manifestation. I don't know who I'm talking to. I don't know who may be watching that I'm talking to, but I'm going to tell you whether you're watching now or whether you watch the replay. I'm here to tell you that this is something that God is about to accomplish in your particular situation. 
So what is our hope? There is only one hope. And that hope is Jesus Christ. He is the answer. Amen? Our hope doesn't lie in a dead, dried up pattern after the plans of man hasn't heard from God in years, church. But there is an Acts 2 church. There's a Luke 10 church that is alive in the spirit. And it's time that we grasp one more time that Jesus is the answer. He's the only answer. He's the only hope that we have. Do you really believe that to be the truth, Pastor, uh, Brother Doug? Yeah, I do. I really do. How do you believe that? Because... Let me tell you about Kathy. Kathy was a prostitute in Paris. One day, while our outreach pastor was sitting on the front porch, of that house. Kathy walked by. The way that Kathy would get people to stop is she would look at them, do her little thing. Did y'all get that? <laughs> Flick her hair. Kind of wave a little wave at them and they'd pull over one day while she was there something drew her to that house she came on the front porch where our outreach pastor was sitting in fact the outreach pastor didn't stay there ran out down the sidewalk and met her and began to talk to her right there in the front yard. She just kind of blew her off. She said, I'm going to be praying for you and you're not getting away. Kathy walked on. Next day, Kathy came to the porch, knocked on the door and said, I need to find out what it is you meant about I'm not getting away. Sister Sharon, Pastor Sharon, said, come on in. And right there in the living room area, she led Kathy to a relationship with Jesus Christ. The next thing that Kathy said, she said, will your church let me uh, worship there? Pastor Sharon said, why don't you come and try and see what they'll do? She says, in fact, I want you to come and sit with me she didn't know Pastor Sharon and Harvey sat on the front row. Don't you just love this? 
she came in and cried through the whole service. Oh, but I got to back up a minute. I forgot the most important part of why I was telling you this story. Kathy was walking to church Sunday morning. And when she was walking to church, she was all dressed up in a dress that we had provided for her from that house. Nice designer shoes. Accessorized her. All free. Because of the merchants in town that bring brand new clothing. Because the season was changing and donated to that house. She was dolled up in a good way. One of the guys that frequented her saw her walking and he pulls over and he says, hey baby, where are you going? She goes over there to the car where he rolled, had rolled down the window and she leaned in and she says, for the first time in my life, I know where I'm going. Now wait, wait, wait. That's not the end of the story. She said, you see the church right here? She said, I'm going in there to worship. She said, pull in this parking place and you go with me. Hello? That's Acts 2. That's Luke 10. And that was a, a new babe in Christ. Amen? I'm telling you, there are those kinds of opportunities, maybe not just like that, but God's going to present those opportunities if he hasn't already. He's going to, and God's going to help this church make an impact in this community that's going to bring glory and honor, and it's going to enlarge the kingdom of God. But you've got to be dedicated. Don't become exhausted in your pursuit. Continue to fight the fight because God's going to cause the victory. You know why we can do that today? Because we have the Holy Spirit and He's sufficient. And while so many today are trying to get the right political and social order in place to, so the church can rise and become what she needs to be, history teaches us when we are in tune with the Holy Spirit, it really doesn't matter what people say or do. Amen? Let me give you an example of that, and I've got to close. There are about one million Christians in China in the late 40s when Mao Zedong and the communists swept to power. And for the next four decades, Christians suffered horrible tortures. It was illegal to be a Christian. Pastors were herded off to labor camps or killed. It's still not easy being a Christian there. But the number of people coming to Christ is estimated to be around 30,000 per year day. Even with the wicked communists, when they had their best, after the powerless church of China had endured a lifetime of suffering, their numbers rose from about one million to anywhere between 50 and 80 million converts. 
Come on, somebody give God praise. What was the difference? The Spirit of God. The same thing was happening in South Africa and Latin America. And again, this is another story I want to tell you about our outreach ministry that we have because that's a very important part of who we are as a parish church of God. Our outreach pastor was on a missions trip and while they were having a meeting discussing the ministry for the week, she was introduced to a young pastor and his wife by the local pastor. They were new believers who had come down from the mountain village for work. And while they were in the city, they came across this group that was meeting together and became Jesus followers. They were radical, on-fire believers, newlyweds. They were only believers for three months. They were desperate to return to their village, not because they were homesick or, 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 or that they had made enough money to go back, but they were desperate to put feet to the Great Commission. They could hardly contain themselves at the thought of sharing Jesus with their friends and their family. Listen, it was with their friends and their families they were going to witness to. They were radiant. No effort was made here in, in this presentation to you to, to bring excitement to this story. But Pastor Sharon says she could seriously say that she had never seen such radiance on people's faces before. And the only time that there was even a flicker of sadness, and it wasn't even really sadness, it was just because it was a blip in their joy. It was whenever they made the comment, we have no Bible and we need $100 for a train ticket to get back home to share the news of Jesus. Our outreach pastor had already raised money and given it to the project where she was working and ministering in missions. But she had some funds that she was going to buy some souvenirs with. And she said, I went to them and I said, here's my Bible. You can have my Bible. And through the interpreter, the interpreter told her that he said, I can't hide the whole Bible. I just need a page. Just give me a page. She said she thumbed through real quick and got to where the page was that had John 3.16. And she carefully ripped it out of her Bible. And she handed it to him. And she said his face lit up like I had given him a little piece of gold. She said he folded it up to where it was so small he could slip it in the brim of his cap to hide it. And she says, and plus the fact, she said, I've already given all the money that I raised to this missions. But she says, my personal money, she said, I am buying your ticket for your train ride. And she handed them $100. They went and bought their ticket. They were ecstatic. They were joyous. The local pastor looks at our outreach pastor. And she sa he said, I'm a little sad but happy too. She said, why are you sad? She said, because that's the last time I'll ever see them. She said, why? Are they not going to be here in a long time? He said, oh no. He said, when they go back to their village and share and say the name of Jesus to their family and their friends, they will be killed. 
She said, all of a sudden, this horror came over me. She said, I just donated to the death of a newlywed family that's only been a Christian for three months. She said, let's run after them. Stop them. Do they know what they're about to do? And the pastor said, stop them. Oh, no, don't stop them. They know what they need to do. And the best thing, the most radiant thing that could ever happen to them is for the last name to cross their lips before they meet him is Jesus. And five days later, the report came back. The couple had been killed. What are you saying, Pastor Brother Holt? What are you saying? What I'm telling you is there was something that was so genuine, that was so Acts 2 and Luke 10, embedded in their heart and their life, that they knew it was going to be dangerous, but they were joyous about sharing Jesus. They weren't intimidated. They weren't frightened by it. So what are you saying? I'm just reminding us. Probably doesn't even apply to you, but maybe some other churches that are listening, it'll apply to. We don't need to be intimidated by the enemy. We've allowed him to box us in a corner. And God, in my opinion, has allowed the pause button, the reset button of pandemic to be pressed so that you and I could realize that we need to stand up and we need to declare from the rooftops and the mountaintops that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he is still the healer. He's still the helper. He's still the, the, the divine one that we can call upon. And reveal, and reveal, he will reveal his supernatural touch in our lives and upon our lives. God is ready for some suddenlies and some manifestations to take place. But how committed are we to receive it? Is this okay? Help me. Two Sundays ago, the Spirit of the Lord began to deal in our service. It was our second service back together after reopen. This Sunday will be our third service. And in that service, no, actually it was the first service, wasn't it? We were back together. The Spirit of the Lord began to move so much. I, there were our praise team, some of them I'd never even seen them raise their hand. Great singers, love the Lord. But they don't get up here and do what you were doing. <laughs> I just waited for her to take out dancing any moment. I'd have probably danced with you. All of a sudden, oh, if he's watching, I'm in trouble. 
one of our first responders that sings on praise team. I looked up from the keyboard, and all of a sudden he was doing this. And the next thing I know, he was doing this. My son, oh, I've seen him raise his hand. I've seen him rejoice in his little reserved way. But not that Sunday. That Sunday, he got out. And he started going forth. He started moving around. I thought he was about to leave the platform. There was something that got a hold of him. And then I looked down at the other end of the praise team, and there was a woman. She'd been jumping up and down, dancing all over the place. The next thing I know, every word, she was throwing it out to the congregation, just like that. I looked out in the congregation, and some of these newer songs, I love them. They're difficult for an older guy to play some of them. So I have to have my music there. I took my eyes off the music. I looked out in the congregation, and there were people. One of my pastors completely left his area and went to the other area. And one of my other pastors came, came back and came this, this way, came to this. They just crisscrossed. God had gotten in the arrangements. There wasn't a person on that praise team that wasn't exploding with the presence and the power and the glory and the manifestation of what God was doing in that service. Messages and interpretations went forth and God began to do some miraculous things. What are you, what are you saying to us, Pastor? I'm just telling you that whenever, whenever we allow Pentecost to fully come, are y'all listening to me? Are y'all listening to me? Some things are going to take place. Amen. There's going to be a, a move of God. There's going to be a unity of mind and heart. And we're going to be in that place. And our minds are going to be totally upon. Let me tell you something. I love the fact that you prayed. I've, I've, lost my, I've left my notes now, so I'm about to quit. I'm just meddling. I've known them long enough. To meddle a little bit. You don't have to have me back. <laughs> but when we allow the presence of God to fully come in our midst and we get in that one unity, that one accord, that one place, and our minds are focused totally on Him, in your pastor said this, he, he, he asked for favor. He prayed for favor. You remember that? I think it's wonderful. But let me tell you what the Spirit dropped in my heart. That's the beginning. But what God is requiring of you and me is to anticipate favor. Now, y'all got a hold of that? You see, because that's when the suddenlies and the manifestations take place. It's when we anticipate favor. 
I've been praying for something. I've got to quit. Y'all are easy to preach to. I've been praying a certain thing for a certain thing for over a year now. Exhausting. Sometimes I, sometimes I just, I, I think, God, you know, I've been at this for over a year, you know. But I still pray. My wife got to where she's doing the same thing now. Certain place that we come in the city and we start praying that every time we pass by it. Come to find out, one of my pastors has been praying over that same thing and I didn't even know it. And I've been asking for God's favor and I believe that's what we ought to do. I've been asking for God's blessed favor beyond favor extraordinary favor exceeding abundantly above all I could ask or think favor you follow what I'm talking about? we do that and all of a sudden the prayer changed I went by there and I said whoa God hold on a minute I got it I anticipate your favor and since I've been praying, I anticipate your favor. Things are beginning to change. Little things are beginning to show up. And I anticipate it to fully come to pass. Is that okay? So here I, here's what I want to do. Here's why I feel like I'm being led to do. My goodness, I've, I've left the outline, so I don't know if you make any sense of this tonight or not. But here's what I feel like asking you to do. Heads of household, and if the head of household isn't here, the next head of household that is here of families, I want you to stand. If you have family members here, I want you to pray anticipated favor. What is that, Pastor? I'm sorry. Brother Hope, what is that? I'll tell you what it is. It's when you call those things that are not as though they were. And you believe it. And you lay hold of it. And you declare it and decree it as if it were. Head of households, I heard evangelist John Davis tell you the last covering was you were to pray over your families. Tonight, if you've got family members here, I want you to lay hands on them and anticipate what is needed in your family. If it's a lost loved one, if it's a sickness, if it's a financial need, whatever it is, I want you to lay hands on your family. If it's more unity in your home, 
I want you to anticipate and call it out as though it already happened. Are you ready? Because I'm telling you, something's about to break loose for somebody. I don't know exactly who you are, but something's about to break loose that you need to break loose. A specific need. That Sunday I was telling you about, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said somebody was having excruciating knee pains. One knee was, was worse than the other. There was a woman in our congregation that morning who contacted me the very next day, Monday. And she said, Pastor, she said, that was me and nobody knew it. And she said, when you said that the pain was excruciating, but it was worse in one knee than the other, she said, sitting right there in the sanctuary, I looked. Our sanctuary doesn't have any windows. She said, I looked to the right, and there was a window in the side that I saw, and it was clear, the clearest clear I've ever seen in my life. And she said, all of a sudden, there was a warmth, like sun rays that began to shine through that window, hit my knees, and instantaneously, they were healed. Still healed today. That's two weeks ago. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said there was someone that had a pin-like pain in their, just below the shoulder, right shoulder above the shoulder blade. And I said, it's been healed. Tuesday, after that Sunday, guess who gets a phone call? Pastor, I had a pain that was almost taking my breath. It was a pin-like pain. But it's gone. I feel... I feel the Holy Spirit in this place. I'm telling you as head of household to pray a prayer of anticipation over your home, over your family, over your need. And I'm going to ask you to gather your family around you now, if you will, please. And I want you to begin to pray for them in the name of of Jesus that anticipate you see you're getting me out of my comfort zone well you know I get out of my comfort zone a whole lot the Holy Spirit makes me do that but if you'll anticipate what you're praying will come to pass it lines up with God's Word I promise you it'll come to pass are you hearing me Let's begin to pray together. Father, 
in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, we anticipate favor. There may be moments in our life fighting this glorious battle, this war that is spiritual. But in our exhaustion, help us to pursue the enemy and he will be defeated. I anticipate healings taking place. I anticipate financial needs being met. I anticipate a new home for this church. Mm. I anticipate hurts and pains from the past to be healed and no longer have effect or a definition upon the lives of individuals who have struggled with it. I anticipate needs that are specific needs in these families. I anticipate the favor of God to come upon them as we declare those things that are not as though they were according to your word. I thank you, God, for your favor. And I bless you and I honor you. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, we declare it, we decree it to be so according to the word of God. And we anticipate the results in Jesus' name. Pastor, I've seen how God's used you. I've seen how God has grown in you. Your faith has grown you in his word and how you've walked in his authority. It hasn't been without battles. It hasn't been without struggles. But there's a suddenly that's coming. Yes. I want to agree with you. Can you come here? I want to agree with you. 